1: Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Big Blue Banter podcast. Here with myself, and my co-host Nick Turchin. We're here to break down what we saw on the All 22 Coaches film from the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants Week Two game. I'm a little more positive than people think uh, after rewatching that game. Nick's going to probably be a little more negative, though. I do have some negative takes coming. Don't worry, I'm not just a team company guy. And then we're going to also preview the Houston Texans games coming up and. Why I think the Giants can get a win here, and why the, how the Giants get back on the board, and then lastly, we are going to take all your questions that you guys delivered us on Twitter. Um, keep those coming. I love that part of the show that we've added on the, the Twitter back and forth, the Q and A. We get a chance to dive into stuff that you know we want to talk about. Sometimes we might not remember, we, ne- we might not think to get on the show in our show plan. So, Nick, how you doing today?
2: Uh, doing very well. Doing very well. psyched to get after it. Like the questions too that we get for the podcast or people asking me. It's I've been asked some very, like, just pointed questions that are exactly that have made me better this week. So I'm psyched. I'm psyched to keep on doing this.
1: Yep. All right. Well, let's start by jumping into our review of the game, the Dallas Cowboys New York Giants Week Two game. What we saw on the All Twenty Two Coaches film. What we think that we can uh, look and look at and, and take in moving forward based on that. We're going to obviously start with Eli Manning, the evaluation of the quarterback play for the New York Giants. Probably number one topic this week, except for the offensive line. We're going to dive into the offensive line issue as well. We're probably not going to hit it as in depth as maybe some other podcasts, or some other things you've seen, because it's been beaten like a dead horse. But we will hit the We will hit the key points there anyway. But first, I'm gonna throw it to you, Nick. Give me your evaluation of Eli Manning's play, and then I'll tell you what I saw.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, on in this game was a little bit different than Week One. Um, I saw, uh, I kind of. Saw it, then kind of kept on coming back to it, and then ended up writing a piece on it for cover one.net. And it was specifically about Eli Manning and his mental processing. And um, first off, when we get into this, this is a one game evaluation. It's not like I'm making a projection or saying that he's done this his entire career. It's just it was odd that in this game specifically, I saw his mental processing at some points break down and other points just not be as nearly as good as it was in, the, in, the, in previous years. Um, or in previous games for that matter and um, i broke down outlined four plays but just by way of background instead of like jumping into the whole the, the whole piece i saw like 12 plays that were questionable i whittled that down to like eight and questionable across the board in terms of placement in terms of overall play calling just 12 plays that just stood out that usually you don't see i whittled that down to eight that kind of hit eli specifically with either placement Com, uh, pocket composure or mental processing and ultimately decided on mental processing for four and the four examples. And there were four plays that we're not looking at that saying we're looking in a quarterback evaluation, trying to say like, Hey, if he had done this, we would have, the, the game would have been won. That's not the point. It's more just to see that within week two of this offense where he stands and Dan's made this point on Twitter, a few times, um, you know, Manning is still, taking it all in and, and having, you know, and still learning a new offense and learning what he should be doing within that, you know, within that basis upon what he's seeing defensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, Nick, I'll, I'll be honest here. I'm going to jump into and say that I know a lot of people are probably expecting me to say otherwise, but I also had major concerns with what I saw from Eli Manning in this game from a processing standpoint. And I believe there were a lot of routes where I saw where there was a couple in mind with Evan Ingram, you broke down, one of them, the deep over route, and I, I believe uh, there was another one uh, where he really just looked off. He came back to it, the read was designed on, on the far left of the field. He came back to he, he missed completely. Missed Ingram, who was running over the middle of the field, wide open uh, in a void, and then checked down to Barkley. What I saw is a lot of Eli moving through his progressions way too fast to the down to Barkley. Now, what I wonder is, is that by design? Was that something where Eli Manning said Eli Manning and Pat Shermer? Because a lot of this happened in the second half, where I noticed some of Eli's biggest breakdowns from a processing standpoint and some of the, you know, open receivers he missed were more so in the second half. And I think maybe it's possible at least to think that maybe just maybe at halftime, Patrick and Eli manning, Mike, sure. They got together. They said, listen, this pass rush is getting there extremely fast. We're not protecting. We, we can't fix this, these protection issues in one game. So work fast that check down read to Barkley, because he can make some things happen after the, after the catch. So that's something I wonder about, but, with the with, Aside from that, he was just missing far too many. There were big plays you talked about. Uh, I know it was, that. I believe, what what was the route with Odo Beckham Jr.? Um, that what
2: yeah, that one I'm looking at right now in Excel, um, not Excel, in Excel and on, and on our in our tape. Um, this one was a cover two read, and we had, we've had we kind of highlighted that two deep safeties maybe kind of pre-snap, maybe kind of give him a little bit of hiccups over the years, and he's got to kind of move, he's got to work his way through that, and he's maybe a little slower. Um, this one was weird because the play the play design, the whole, the, the read is to the left. This the, the progression starts to the left, and that's key for people to understand. I've just to, as an aside, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter where guys are kind of liking to circling the open receivers that are down the field, like right yeah. off the bat. That's not how this works. The quarterback <laughs> is working through a progression. So there's an order in which things go. And if that guy's open at that point, it's just a lot of times he may not even be in the read, or it may just be something that he hasn't gotten to yet. So you kind of can't hit him there um, on this one though, which is really funny. And this is a good one really to break down because I think this was the strongest example where it's like, Hey, what more do you want? Um, so on this play, it was, it was a second down and 10. Uh, the giants come out 11 personnel is a three by one side uh, to the left. So Manning's got to make a th- play to the left uh, to the three, wide, to the trip side. If he wants to go that way. Um, and basically it's also a bunch and the bunch is interesting because it brings everyone in. Right. And you've got, uh, you've got Odell Beckham in the Z and he's facing a very clear two deep safety. Look, pre-snap snaps the ball, looks to the left. I forget what the first, The first part of the read was, but the the, the play design was great because you had a divide route or a seam route running right down the middle. So it's splitting those two safeties, taking their eye line, and making them worry about the deepest threat. And then you have Odell, you have Beckham running this, what's called a buzz and go, where he kind of runs out almost at like 80, 90%, just gets to the second level, stutter steps a little bit, and then boom, he's gone to like basically the corner or a fade route. And um, the corner to that side, you know, he's in a clear, course cover two technique where he's basically his hips are parallel to the uh, parallel to the sideline. So if he wants to turn north and, and, and follow him, he's got to flip his hips and go. And, you know, look, 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 there's no better play. To, there's no better way to get it. A better way to look to get against cover two. And Manning just didn't want to to throw that for whatever reason. I'm not in his head. I don't know um, that. That to me is like, you, you want the guy at the key point of the game to step up and, and deliver the ball to your best player.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's not just it's not just these plays that we can, we can pick out, and there's a bunch, because I have a bunch in my notes. But what also worried me about Eli Manning was I thought that, and again, this could have a lot to do with the fact that this Cowboys defense was getting pressure consistently and fast, really, really fast, within two and a half seconds. Um, and there were times, by the way, there was a big play where it really could have shifted the momentum. On third and eight, Giants 49, in the second quarter with 7.07 if they had converted two fourth downs. Um, where literally the running back blows this play, the running back. I believe it was Barkley at the time. I have to double check twenty six or twenty eight. There, pretty sure it was Barkley. Does not pick up the free. Does not pick up the. Does not pick up the pass direction. I don't know if this is on Eli. And this is something that I really don't know, Nick. You can maybe after I make this point dive into this. Who you think that if if some of these blown, you know, if some of these free blitzers we saw because we saw a lot of. I saw a lot of free blitzers. Some of these free blitzers are on the quarterback. The running back, I don't know the offensive line coach, but you know, this is a third and eight play where if the running back picks this play up, Manning has time to hit uh, Sterling Shepard on a vertical route out of the slot. Here, you look at the play on all 22, Shepard is open. Um, he doesn't have time. The running back, you know, the running back completely doesn't pick up the free blitzer, and it's a sack. And it's a or I believe Manning actually scrolled, scrambled back to his left and threw it incomplete. But the point is, they had to punt and that was a big momentum swing. And then earlier in the game, a similar play, second and five. Giants had a screen set up to Evan Ingram, and I don't know what, what the recognition on this play was by Eli Manning, but it looked to me like he got a little bit tricked by – and I put this one on Twitter um, in case you guys want to come back and check. It looks like, to me like he got a little tricked by the Cowboys' safety. He looked like he was dropping into a deep zone, but then attacked down on the check down to Barkley. If this is a better throw – it doesn't matter. I think Parkley's going to turn this into a big play. But he had an easy, easy first down, an easy 15 yards with Evan Ingram on the screen back to the left. And then later in the game, the Giants actually made a nice halftime adjustment, came back to this screen later in the game with 549 on, to go on first and 10, where the, where the Giants ran that final drive where they scored a touchdown on the touchdown to Evan Ingram. And they came back to and They ran the screen back to the left, and it was an 11-yard gain and a first down. But to me, some of the things, again, that bothered me with Eli was all the things Nick talked about was his footwork and his movement in the pocket was not what I've seen from him in the past. Um, looks like he just kind of—I don't know if that's what—because he, he was got rattled. There was a play I put to put on Twitter where you know <laughs> Will Hernandez takes out Tyrone Crawford out of the play, opens up this huge hole for Manning to step up to. Instead, he checks down and you know he can't get his foot feet placed uh, to Will Hernandez. Now the play was covered. Manning steps, tries to throw at the time or steps through and throws right away. It's going to be an incomplete, but. If he steps through, he has a clean, clean pocket where he can reset his feet, and I think Odell Beckham can get open in a void over the middle of the field, uh, in the deep middle of the field. So just some of those issues. Uh, Nick, I have a question for you with Eli Manning, something that I saw a little bit of but not that much of. But did you see an issue with him keeping his eyes down the field uh, once the pocket kind of collapsed on him and he was forced to move in the pocket?
2: Yes, Yes.
1: but not as bad
2: as other briefly for brief times um in general he would not go out of uh he's not someone to go out of structure often so it's not like he had to complete uh that process and then go outside the pocket and then keep his eyes down field but i guess what i'm saying the answer to the question to be clear yes but not for like rookie increments of time where they completely lose and they get tunnel vision i didn't see tunnel vision i saw more of brief looks down to more anticipating pressure that wasn't there, like right. like shifts that don't make sense to hesitating, like pumps that don't make sense or, or w- willing to pull it or a willingness to a quickness to pull down where to pressure that wasn't there.
1: Right. And I know, you know, everybody pointed out that play in the red zone where Barkley kind of ran free and Eli, they say that Eli didn't pick, a, pick his eyes up as he got smashed, um, moving yeah. through the pocket uh, and destroyed in the red zone. That was a big hit. That was one of the biggest hits I've ever seen Eli take. But, you know, you can cherry-pick plays like that every game from every quarterback, I think. Um, so I'm with you on that one, Nick. But we'll we'll transition a bit here to some of my other issues with this game because I do believe it was a three-pronged failure by the Giants offense. Eli Manning, the offensive line, which we'll get to. Um, and then this one, which I want to jump into before we get into the offensive line, which was the play-calling issues I had with Pat Shermer. So we'll touch on the red zone stuff because that's where I have the biggest issue with Shermer. But – I actually saw a lot of plays that were just covered really well by the Dallas Cowboys. And it looked like, you know, based on the routes, combinations he was using the play never had a chance. Is that something that you saw as well uh, in this game, Nick?
2: Yeah, and you know, actually, you know, who made a good point was Dan Pizzuta of SB Nation. He kind of brought up too. He he was surprised at how many isolation routes that he saw when he looked at the tape, and that's a really good point. And it's something that you know we've talked all about the combination routes, and I've written like fifteen thousand words on the combination routes. But Shermer does run a fair amount, like everyone does, of ISO routes. I did see though a lot more in this game, and I did wonder if that had something to do with him trying to alleviate. The, the 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 call it maybe the timing issues that Manning was having in the first game and I don't think they were widespread but I think that Manning you know as as kind of Kurt Warner highlighted earlier in last week that Manning's kind of strength is see it and throw it and being an athlete that's a little bit tired that's a little closer to um to isolation routes so that maybe would have been going what was going on but that was more of a guess by me um but in general yeah no I, I think that they were running a lot of iso routes and there was a lot of stuff that was just covered and that's yeah. just that, that happens when you do that. When you don't scheme your guys open, they have to win every play, and they're not going to win every play against a lot of the secondaries in this league.
1: Yeah, you've got to give this Cowboys defense credit. I know people aren't onto them yet. They weren't a great defense in 2017, but I think this Cowboys defense is really, really an up-and-coming defense that people are soon going to be like, okay, wow, what, what did we miss? This defense has a lot of talent. Jalen Smith and Sean Lee at that second level with Vander Ash, who was more of a rotational player. But really that secondary is extremely underrated right now, um, there was a ball that Eli threw to Shepard out of the slot that he really put a perfect, put in a perfect spot on a vertical route out of the slot. And Shepard doesn't come down with the catch, the big momentum swing, but really it's just perfect coverage by the cornerback Brown on that play. And I saw that a lot, really good coverage across the board. But I'm going to dive into the issues I had with Shermer in the red zone. There were plays where, I don't know, did you see the play? Uh, obviously you saw this play. The play, when they get in the red zone the first time, um, they get to the three-yard line, they have the holding call. On Rhett Ellison. Now I have a problem right from the start with this dry, with this red zone drive because it's first and goal on the three. Odell Beckham Jr. is essentially isolated again, just like we talked about last week with the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and the ball doesn't go to him. The ball doesn't go. The ball doesn't go to him. On a slant, on a fade, whatever it may be. It's a run play to Saquon Barkley. It's doomed from the start, and Rhett Ellison gets called for the hold. Now it's first and thirteen. Do you think that uh, the Giants have to look at this, the, some of this tape, and some of their red zone? drives and, and say, hey, if we have Beckham one-on-one, we have to find a way to change the play to, to throw to him.
2: I think, yeah, from a 10,000-foot view, they absolutely have to do that because you kind of have to find your identity a little in the red zone. Like, are you going to kind of scheme your way in, or are you going to do what, what got you there in, the, in, a, tighter, right. in a tighter, quicker frame? Because in the red zone, everything just happens like in an instant. You know, there's two reads, and then the play goes out of structure, all that type of stuff. So, you know, on that specific play, I'm not – Really sure, but on, on from ten thousand feet, absolutely. Because you know you, you know you, you guys all. I say you guys all. Everyone, everyone who was watching. Really pointed out when you have the runs out of you know thirteen personnel from first and. And this is the one that I'm remembering from like first and whatever, first and ten, first and eleven. It's like that's kind of the statistically you're not you're not helping yourself there. And that's what I think they need to do a little bit more of. There is 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 help themselves, and I think you know, and I've said this, I'm like, people think I'm like a Latimer bull forever, but you've got guys that can high point. You've got guys that can use their body to win in isolation routes like Cody Latimer. Like that's where he can help you. You've got guys like, you know, maybe if Engram is not that type of player yet per se, you know, there are, there are many options on this Giants defense. Um, And then of course, you got to get your, you got to get your big guys in like Odell and not in necessarily in orbit swing passes or reverses like the first game, you know, in routes that where they can really win.
1: Right. And so now we're in first and 13 after the holding call. And again, I, like I said, Nick, and I don't want to harp on like these, cherry picking these plays, but you know, we saw examples of what we just broke down in the first game as well. So now we're in first and 13, we're designing a run play in first and 13 uh, out of again, another tight personnel, a uh, heavy tight personnel I, to begin with. I don't like this call, but then you have Odell Beckham doing that motion behind the line of scrimmage which we saw in the first game. And as he motions to the right side, the cornerback doesn't follow him. So at the snap, there's going to be Beckham and I believe the far receiver. I don't remember. I think it was 87. I think it was Shepard. Basically in two guys against one coverage out there uh, with a safety more towards the middle, uh, more towards the middle of the field, a little shaded to that side. Uh, I think this ball immediately has to be, I think this immediately has to be audible into a pass to Odell Beckham right away. Is that is that first of all, do you agree with that, Nick? And second of all, who's to blame for that? Eli or Shermer or whoever or what what do we who's to blame there?
2: So the orbit mo there, orbit motion is definitely candy to help open up my main candy, meaning eye candy. Um, Greg Cosell is a great quote. There, there is no window dressing in this league. They don't do things just to make things look better. They do things for specific reasons. So you're taking your best player and basically using him as a distractor. And what you're hoping is either, either. Well, first of all, you get a cue into what the coverage is. So if the guy gets if the guy gets followed, it's man. If he gets if he if they bump out like they did, you know it's zone. So right. the player the player that bumped out, I believe, was the hook defender on that side, is a linebacker. So he bumps out a little bit. And Dan's point mm-hmm. is, hey, listen, if if Obel is in space against the linebacker, he's, he's gonna win.
1: Exactly. The
2: question is, can you, can you you really can't Audible because unless if it's designed that way, which it totally can be, you can absolutely, you can, it would effectively be a run, a pre-snap RPO. You could 110% do that. I just don't think they planned that. I think that it was actually supposed to be candy and they did wanna run the, I actually have it down here. They ran the mid zone play to Wayne Gallman. who I love Wayne Gallman, but you know, like that like Dan saying, that's not what we're really looking for. So. I, I like the idea, but I don't know if they could have done that game. They could definitely plan around that now that they put the tape out for sure.
0: Yeah,
1: so you know what? I'm going to take I'm, – I'm happy you said that, Nick, because before this I, I really didn't know. Based on what you just broke down, I take the blame away from Eli Manning here. I don't think he had any option here to audible out of this and throw to Odo Beckham. But the Giants need to put that in before. I think you should. they should have this run pass option on this type of play, especially down here in the red zone. Anyway, we move on to second and 13, and somehow the Giants find themselves in a situation where they have seven guys protected, seven guys in pass protection, and a running back, and a running back who then leaks out into the middle of the field, but he's in the beginning. The Cowboys blitz, rush four, and somehow immediately get pressure. The Giants are running two, I guess they're deep over. What are they considered? Over route?
2: That was basically like a two-man mesh. Like mesh. like if you just have the mesh part, <laughs> nothing else. Yeah. Just the two-man mesh. They're
1: meshing over the middle of the field, and there's six Cowboys defenders for two guys, Beckham and Shepard. How is this play ever going to work, first of all, is what I'm, I'm asking you. What's the goal of this play here? Um, is the goal just to get Beckham in the corner of the end zone where they can kind of throw on the opposite field aside of where he lined up and they can kind of throw a jump ball. And by that point, he'll have beaten those defenders or is the goal to get a natural pick at the mesh point or what's the goal here? Uh, I'm just wondering.
2: <laughs> bo- uh, yeah. well, what is it that they're doing here? Um, both, I would say it, it, it depends on man or zone. So the hope is both. This time, I believe in God. I could be wrong, but I believe they were playing cover three, which is just an embarrassing coverage to play in the uh, in the red zone because it leaves your your the slant wide open for an easy touchdown. But let that be that as it may. I believe they are playing basically some form of cover three match, something where you have three deep. And the hope there is that it kind of creates a natural pick. But if you can envision C th- cover three, you've got the deep thirds where the both receivers are going in terms of those two mesh routes, those two crossing routes, kind of running right into it. So it was kind of dead from the beginning. And then you had Ellison and Engram, two tight ends, both get beaten. <laughs> like, I think it was a, it wasn't two on one, but they both got beaten on the on the front There's
1: side. Seven guys in pass pro and four guys
2: ended up rushing the pass. Correct, right? So it, brought, it could have been a double team. It very well could have been, but it's one of those things. It's just it was not it was not
1: their best moment. And these, are, and we're not going to harp too much longer on the on the play columns. We've got a lot to get to here, but these are the type of plays that really the type of you know plays that really change a game. There's a lot if they score a touchdown here, the momentum is completely different. Uh, and, and, and it's, and once they have that late drive with 549 and they scored a the touchdown on that drive, now we're talking about 20 to 14 and they would have, and they had a great onside kicks. They would have recovered. Who knows what could have happen? This was that kind of game where you can't blow these opportunities in the red zone. Um, uh, but we're going to move on. There were a lot of plays that I noticed and we'll talk to a couple about a couple on defense, uh, in a little bit that could have changed this game. Um, but we're going to move on a little, and I want to throw it to Nick here because he's Done a lot of work on Cody Latimer, a receiver who made a really big play in this game when the Giant, when Eli Manning actually threw, threw a really nice ball on a go route down the right sideline, and Latimer made a really good, tough, a pretty tough catch, in my opinion, and a really good play on that. So, do you think that Cody Latimer is someone who the Giants have to scheme to get more involved moving forward, Nick?
2: Yeah, for sure, and and uh, yes, I do. And I apologize if we have mentioned this before in the podcast. I i i probably have just because i feel like i've been saying it all all over and over but out of three by one wide receiver sets which the giants we've all seen many of them this season and and quite frankly across the league that one what the one lone X wide receiver uh, you know, I think that he's their best option because he can use his body control, he can use his size, and he can use his hands to win one on one against the most in most cases the boundary corner, and that's huge. That changes the game because what you end up seeing is. It helps the trip side because you'll take deep safeties, <clears throat> excuse me, and the deep safeties will want to pay attention on that side. You'll know that you can't just leave that corner and boundary lock. It, it will literally open up things for the other side where you'll have your combination routes in a much more even keel than kind of the the, the trip side, just constantly focusing, especially when they go to zone, constantly focusing on uh, on Beckham.
1: Yeah. And so again, that's just something that they need to look at. <laughs> they need to Take a look and see the opportunity and and take advantage of it, quite frankly. Um, I want to transition real quick to Saquon Barkley just because I've seen some people, uh, somehow, some pretty big names on Twitter, saying that they've been disappointed with what they've seen from Saquon Barkley uh, these first two games. I'm going to dive into this first, Nick, and then I'll get your takeaway. Um, (laughs) Well, after watching... Maybe less so in that Jaguars game, uh, let's just say. Uh, I mean, I thought he had a good game there, but this Cowboys game, that was the best single game, I, I think, given the opportunity he had and the space he had, the best game I've seen from a Giants running back. It's in the Eli Manning era, the way he created space, the way he broke, uh, broke free of the first tackler, created space after the catch in really tight spots, um, I thought he did an excellent job finally of planting his foot and taking the yardage that was given to him uh, in the middle of the field on the rare times the Giants side is a run. And remember, Barkley only got I think two carries in the first 25 plays and only 11 in the game. Um, he, the Giants have the lowest average in the NFL of yards before contact for a running back. So that's not good, worse in the league there. Um, so to me, I, I don't understand the Saquon Barkley criticism. I thought he looked awesome out there and really could help this offense if they could get things going. What did you see, Nick?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I wrote contact balance in my notes 10 times, Yeah, 12 times. I don't know if I've ever done that for, for, for a single player in a single game. Uh, I think he defines elusive in the way he, he – elusive meaning kind of as he's making his jukes. It's very hard for me as a, as a guy watching it on film to know where he wants to go. I don't know. It, it, it's He's he's a he's a talent. He's a total talent. And, you know, you also – I think he's got a lot of raw emotion, too, that he shows, too, in terms of, you know, the guy wants it. And so that, that was great to see him featured that much in the beginning of the game, maybe not on a carry basis, but from a reception basis. I think it was maybe then maybe overloaded a little bit. But, you know, I, I, you know he's going to be that dual threat, and that's huge. Uh, so I would definitely not see you – know, it's hard to see criticism. I think where the criticism is really going to go – You know, and it's kinda to bring it up, but like look, like if you're gonna run outside zone into the boundary, and I know I've said it a billion times here, but you're that's just not what the giant line is built to do. And so guys love to criticize that play where he lost three yards, where he just was basically Uh, the play where taco charlton had a holding call that was not called taco charlton basically grabbed jalapio's uh he horse collared him (laughs) as these guys trying to make a reach block across the across the play. so that was kind of kind of a joke but what you people were commenting on like omame and the backside Seal blocks that were trying to be made. They're like, hey, these guys can't move at all. It's like, well, listen, that's not my answer would be, well, listen, that's not what they're, they're not designed to do that. These are bigger offensive linemen. They're not, they're not supposed to be climbing to the second level every play, trying to cut off linebackers who are 100 pounds, not 100, but much, much, you know, less of, uh, of body size than they are. I think it's a, I think it's a tougher game. I think I was thinking this week, you know, the whole goal is to get Barkley in space, right? I think the Giants would be better off basically running, um, read option with Tanney and just chucking and just automatically giving the ball to Barkley, you, you, the, the quarterback would get annihilated, but guess what? You'd get Barkley in space. Like they'd be better off doing that than outside zone.
1: Yep. I, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I, like I said, I don't see, I don't see where these, where these criticisms are coming from personally. I do think there are some critiques to be made. Like you said about the giants run blocking scheme right now. I saw far too many played run plays that were doomed from the start. There were a couple of plays where they tried to get like, Eric flat the, the, the guard and the tackle the second level um and, and before he can get to the second level the defensive ends come crashing back down to stop the play before the play before Barkley even gets to the second level um just and you know there were pro- the issues I had with this game too from Pat Shermer were there, there were some plays in the run game that worked and they just didn't go back to them like a lot of coordinate a lot of good play calls in the NFL like I, I know Bruce Arians was like this they don't they don't make it's not a new play every single play when you when you have stuff that works you make the defense try to stop it um and i don't know if you agree with me on that nick but i think that 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 was definitely a problem in this game um I, I think definitely they'll go back and they'll look
2: at the split zone runs that they had that were successful right. with Barkley. They're, they'll look at the stuff that they, they they introduced a new wrinkle which I love a little tight end dark play tight end leading uh, from the side from a side angle basically in the A gap. They ran that play twice. They're going to see more of that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, there was there were definitely some highlights, but there was there, were, there for this game alone there were there were more negatives.
1: Yep. Um, but let's flip it. Uh, we've got to wrap up at some point in this review because we got to get to the. <laughs> Um, but let's flip it real quick to the defensive side of the ball. Um, do you? Ha- I know you did a lot of work on this, Nick. Why do you think the Giants keep having so many failures against the zone read option run?
2: I think that there's a massive level of, miscon- of misunderstanding for what, really happens on a zone read. And I broke out a, uh, my part one on Twitter and a thread today. I'm going to have basically parts two and parts three over the next day and a half. And uh, there's a lot of comments. The guys are asking better questions today at the, uh, for the for, for the press conference and kind of watching in practice to see how they're going to basically, how they're going to change, how they defend the zone read. And just to kind of take it real quick, like the zone read is just a run with a quarterback keeper option. Attached to it and the key for fans to understand is when we talk about zone read The biggest key is that the running back or to know that it's zone read the running back is going in one direction And the quarterback if he keeps it is going to end up in the opposite direction now Defending that becomes very difficult because it's a little bit of pick your poison either You play to force the give to the running back in which case if you do that You're going to have a slight numbers disadvantage on the running game or if you do what the Giants did in the beginning parts of the game you crash. You're going to you crash the running back with the defensive end. You're going to allow the quarterback to basically have advantage if he wants to run the ball. And your players that are basically assigned to him have to get off their blocks. And quite frankly, they did not. So the Giants are going to try to do different. The Giants will will as they did in the Dallas game, which I which I get to in parts two and three of my thread coming up. They did adjust with a couple of things, but you still have to get off your blocks, and you still have to have either the pressure is going to go on the secondary directly, the overhang def- specifically the overhang defender on that side, or it's going to go to the linebacking core. It doesn't, it it can't, it, it you can't do anything else this play. And and there's a reason, you know, many people may kind of step up that aren't familiar with it and go, well, why don't why doesn't every team do this? And the thing is, if you if you if you elect the keeper option, you're having your quarterback run downfield. Basically, where he has to get, he has to take a shot, and that most teams won't allow and won't, and won't do, obviously, because of, of the of how few really good quarterbacks there are in this league. So it's something where the the Cowboys absolutely ran it more uh, last game against the Giants, and they definitely keyed on that crashing defensive end. But this is not that the entire defense was fooled. This is not that they have no idea what they're doing. This is assignment football, and they just could not get off their blocks. So the, the scheming will help. Uh, in some cases. But even when they schemed, Dallas had a couple nice answers, which the Texans will have as well. And so it, it comes to that game where it honestly, it comes down to getting off your blocks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. And, and this helps me kind of transition into the next part, the Texans preview. Is this something you see the Giants can, uh, you know, do you believe the Giants will be able to successfully shut this down versus Sean Watson?
2: i think that they so so with what the with what watson and houston does is even more evolved than just uh zone reads they run all different types of regular read regular options and again a regular option is one where the quarterback and the running back if the running back is coming with them as the pitch option they're both going to the same side and so they 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 have the Texans have a fair amount of that they've got a fair amount of basically jet motion type of wrinkles in there where they get um you know additional pitch option it almost becomes like a triple option so the answer is I think they're going to be keying in on it more this week. And I definitely think they can because it does play into the athletic and uh, athletic edge players uh and athletic linebackers that need to make plays. And so I do think they totally can. I think that you have to have, and not to single them out, but I don't think Landon Collins really had the best game. Two of those plays specifically where he needed to get off his block. One, he did. He just couldn't make the play. Um, You know, you have to have – very aggressive overhang defenders that are willing to base and willing and able to basically make that stop when it needs to be made. So, to answer that specifically for Houston, um, I definitely think they can. I think it's going to be part of what they're doing. I don't think it's going to be the whole thing. I think there's more, I think Houston wants to give that ball. Um, with Watson because Watson alone is not, I don't think he's really, he, he's not where he was last year in terms of his confidence. I don't think they want him scrambling around as much, believe it or not. I think that they want Lamar Miller and they want, um, Alfred blue, their running backs taking that, uh, taking that ball in, in a give, in a give read.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. Based on what I've seen as well from this Texans over of the first two weeks, I think they're also kind of slow playing Watson as he returns from this ma- major injury. Um, and I'm, I want to make a quick point before I get on to the next topic um, about Landon Collins. I agree with you, Nick. Not only did I was I not impressed with him from week week two, also from week one. I've actually, from all, since Collins joined this Giants team, I've actually never seen him show up fewer t- times in a positive way on tape um, than in these past two games. I don't know if he's having an issue transitioning to his new role in James Betcher's defense or what's going on right now. But it's not the Landon Collins we all – you know, grew to know and love during that 2016 season. And When he, if, when and if he kind of gets back into that form, it's going to make a major difference for this defense. Um, but I'll transition to another point I want to bring up here, and that's how can the Giants get more pressure in general, and how can they get pressure on Deshaun Watson this game? Because the Giants enter this week against the Texans this game with the lowest adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. However, from my review of these games on All-22, I actually think the Giants have teamed uh, pressure pretty in a pretty solid way considering the fact that Connor barwin i've only really seen win on um, once on a one-on-one pass rush rep um lenzo carter who i thought was was awesome as far as a play speed uh, goes in this game and we'll get to more of that later um He, you know, he's not there, right? He's not where he needs to be yet from a pass rush move standpoint and really from his technique and things like that. So they don't exactly have the on the horses on the field to win these one-on-one matchups. So that may be, you know, playing a role into it. But I think in this game, I think it's definitely possible the Giants' pass rush in general can wake up. I mean, you look at the Texans. They're one of the few teams in the NFL— who's doing nearly as bad as the Giants are from a pass protection standpoint. You have I'm just going to go by the PFF numbers, and you can get into it after. You have basically a former, I believe he was the seventh-round pick, Julian Davenport. Was he, or was he a third mid-round pick?
2: I think it's, it's that far back. It's between I think it's between th- uh, second and third day for sure.
1: Yeah, second and third day pick, Julian Davenport playing one tackle position. The other one, you have Martinez Rankin, who's a rookie in this draft class, who I did not like at all when I watched him. I mean, he has the tools. He's like, you know, he's a flowers type, in my opinion, with a lot of size to be all the th- size and and long arms, things you look for in a tackle. But he was really bad, and as far as charting game charting goes from Pro Football Focus, and I'll take their word on that. Uh, last year uh, in college, and those guys have really struggled this year. I mean, you look at breaking them down according to Pro Football Focus, Martinez Rankin has given up ten pressures in two games. He has given up six hurries, three hits in a sack. They have Davenport down for giving up 13 pressures in two games, seven hurries, four hits, and two sacks, four pen, or five penalties combined between the two of them. Five penalties, that's awful. Um, so, you know, is this something that – and obviously, you know, in addition to those guys, Kilimiti, who they have at guard, uh, he's been really bad as well. Worse and worse as a run blocker, but um, not great in pass protection. There. So is this really a situation where the Giants? Do you think the Giants' pass rush, the Giants' pass defense, from a pass rushing standpoint, can potentially break out?
2: Yeah, this is a good one where the the stats are going to intersect with the tape because specifically what's beating Davenport and Rankin, Rankin's his name, I believe, the Rankin. other the light. Yeah, yeah uh, it's speed to power rushes, and we know that you know maybe Lorenzo Carter has is developing his other moves, but his main move is is is, is a speed rush. So I specifically. Uh, I'm looking to see how Carter does, not only because of his speed rush, but additionally because against Davenport, Davenport, his use of hands on his first strike, he's lost a lot of battles that way. Trey Flowers, I broke this out on Twitter. Trey Flowers does a really cool swipe. To uh, swipe to, I forgot the uh, the second part of the move was, but just absolutely schools in in a sack to the to the quarterback. So I don't expect like we're saying I don't expect Carter to be there yet, but I'm looking for I'm going to be looking for swim moves. I'm going to be looking for all types of drive moves, and I think that he's going to be able to, to to execute that. And what ends up happening is when when the tackles give up pressures, and this happened a lot over two games, uh, you do see um, you do see Watson step up in the pocket, but he he loses sight downfield he has he has very poor eye discipline downfield you know dan asked like how how was eli manning's last game i wouldn't say it was great for him but i'd throw it at like a seven out of ten if you want to grade it in comparison if you just over two games for watson you're talking about like a two or three max so there's a there's a there's a problem there and and what happens is um that's what happens also is that his ball carriage skills watson's ball carriage skills when the pocket breaks down I don't know, it's a really bad habit, but he holds the ball way out. And when he goes to throw on the run, he does the same thing. I would definitely look for force fumbles this game. You know, and and Betcher is the type of aggressive guy who gets his players going downhill, doing you know, getting after the goal. That's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna be keying on. And so I would definitely look for turnovers here. Interesting. And
1: then sticking on the Texans offense right now, um, versus the Giants defense. We we know today, based on the fact that Eli Apple missed another practice Thursday. Very unlikely he plays this week. Um, Vernon, another player, missed practice. Very unlikely he plays this week, which is really disappointing. I would have loved to see him go against these offensive tackles. Love to see it. um He looked, oh, again, I, I've said this before, I'm saying it again. He looked awesome to me this preseason um, in limited snaps, but that's what they're dealing with. So you get the scary matchup on the outside of BW Webb, Giants' journeyman cornerback, who's now. All of a the sudden, their number two cornerback against Will Fuller. Now, I'm personally Nick, and I know we talked about this right before we got on the show after watching, after re-watching right before the show this all-22 of the Giants defense versus the Dallas offense where we had a, a strong offensive line uh, versus this Giants defense and vis-a-vis this Texans offensive line, which is the complete opposite. I'm not as worried about this matchup uh, for big plays. Uh, I think that it's going to be – unless, like you said, Watson does a, really, a better job of keeping his eyes downfield once he breaks – Breaks free the pocket uh, or breaks, you know, once the play gets off script a bit. I think that there's just not going to be enough time for him to take advantage of the matchup. Do you see it differently? Or are you a bit more worried about maybe B.W. Webb on Fuller? Like To me, I'm more worried about the slot. I felt the Giants did not cover well in the slot against the Cowboys. Uh, so just just give me an idea of where your bigger worry is there in the slot with Dante Dayon. Uh, I believe it's Ellington right now in their slot uh, or on the outside with Fuller versus Webb.
2: Yeah, I think Fuller even is the bigger issue, um, only because of the way they worked him last game. Last game was his first game back, right? He's he's oft injured, um, and yeah. what often injured, and what ends up happening there is the Texans' offense actually I, without Fuller is a is actually I think he's almost more significant from a schematic standpoint than Hopkins, even though Hopkins is obviously top three in the league in terms in terms of uh, in terms of uh, player. Uh, I think that that the Fuller brings the dynamic of being able to take the top off the defense as well being a very good route runner on the short side so he actually helped uh, watson last game a lot with hitches and kind of comebacks and a lot of curls earlier in the game and they didn't really they weren't really setting it up per se but he had a great touchdown in the, in the second half of the game uh you know his ability to create separation from really nothing is very hard and so as dan makes the point you know I concur that I don't think it's Watson's gonna have a lot of time to make a lot of deep throws, but those rhythm fades are what scare me in the twenty to twenty-five range against yeah. both corners, any corner and that matter. Um, you know, his ability to kind of get good separation within five yards, really no matter what the corner's doing, I think is gonna be tough. Uh I think overall the Giants can survive this, but it's gonna and it's gonna come from from the ability to to get Watson moving.
1: Moving around within the pocket, unsettled in the pocket, is kind of the way to say it. I think that's fair, and I think just bouncing back real quick to the flip side of this uh, before we get into the fan questions, kind of looking at you know how the Giants' offense might attack this Texans' defense. I have some matchup. I mean, I have some points to make. First of all, the matchup I'm looking forward to is how the Giants work the middle of the field because Zach Cunningham, the Texans' inside linebacker, he's really struggled in pass this here. He's allowed nine receptions in just two games uh, for 96 yards. That's not good. Uh, that's really bad in two games, and I think the Giants can take advantage of that. At the same time, I'm looking for them to get Odell Beckham Jr. involved more early, maybe on some slants, maybe on some quicker plays that get the ball into his hands, especially when he has Kevin Johnson, the Texans cornerback, lined up against him. Because Johnson's really, really struggled with tackling this year. He's had a lot of. He's had three missed tackles in two games. Um, and you know, if you miss a tackle in space against Beckham that's the game-changing play right there. We've seen it happen enough to know that. And then lastly, just something that really interested me, when I was really interesting to me when I broke down, when I tried to look more into this Texans team, is like, I don't know if maybe all the injuries taking their toll or he's just not there physically where he used to be, but Whitney Merciless, who used to be a really feared pass rusher, and I know the Texans, uh, you know, Jadavian J- Clowney he said he's, he's making a comeback. He said he's going to play this game, which is not good news for the Giants <laughs> by any means. Um and J.J. Watt is is still around though he has not played his you, you know he's not played his dominant self this year he's been decent better than people are saying but Whitney Merciless man he's looked really bad according to Pro Football Focus he is not a single quarterback hurry hit sack pressure batted pass in two games uh, on 122 snaps that's not good um 43 pass rush snaps we're in a PFF so. What what have you what do you see uh, based on you know the the matchup of the Giants offense versus contact and defense that really stood out to you? Yeah, definitely And just a quick on Merce, on Merciless. He got a, he got pancaked on a on a power
2: pull uh last week where it was the guard just absolutely smoked him. He had a good position too. He had good pad level and the guy ends up on his back and I just, it, I I saw the play and I like I like literally said ow. I mean, it just <laughs> it, did, it was not something that was that pretty. And yeah, no, they're their edge rushers Without Clowney are on the line in the lineup is are kind of you know mediocre. The whole story about this defensive line, and I'll get to a couple. Dan made some great points, and but just working from the line back out, the whole thing is Watt because Watts. Uh, swim move, getting off the ball is what's going to be the issue for the offensive line. And it's he moves all over the formation. He's at six tech outside the tackle. He's going to be at three tech. He's going to move to a four eye and he's going to make Omame and Flowers crap themselves. I mean, look, that's the bottom line. This guy's a top two or three talent. And though, although the stats don't show it for the first two games, he was getting the penetration on tape. A lot of it. They can use the penetration against him a little bit by. I think they're going to try to run some counter and they're going to get some misdirection to, to basically use those resulting holes that he creates by getting so far upfield against them a little bit. Um, that's just kind of the biggest worry that I would, that I have from a, from a, from a, uh, you know, for, against their defense, the other side of it too, just to watch out on third down, they love, absolutely love, to take Watt and put him on the outside in a six tack Then what they love to do is rotate their safety, their their opposite side safety late and have him blitz the other side. So what they're looking for is some level of slide to Watt or some double team and then have the backside on an island and attack the backside with their safeties. And it's not just Matthew, it's Batamose Bad- from the guy from New England who's there now. Um, they've got a bunch of athletic safeties that the, 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 the story of this defense is their defensive line, specifically watt and their secondary. That's the strength. The middle is exactly what Dan said, or the, the, the weakness is exactly what Dan said over the middle at the linebacking side and at some parts of coverage in the secondary. Uh, so that's what the giants have to hit. But what I would definitely watch for those two things because the blitz will come and it's something that the giants are going to be ready for. And it's going to be a little bit of a delay and Eli's probably going to have to be able to, to, to pick that up.
1: Yep. agreed on that standpoint. All right. I think it's that time of the show. We're going to jump into the questions. Um, I'm going to start with this one by Hefty Lefty. It's a long question, but I'm going to get kind of to the uh, summary, the crux of it. Um, And obviously, a great Twitter name there. A little shout out to the old Jerry Lorenzen. You know, because Eli's had bad, he says because Eli's had bad games. I know, me and Nick have pretty made made it pretty clear we don't agree that Eli had a bad game against Jacksonville, but you know others claim to be that they're cherry picking. Um, Is he done? So I'll let you dive into this first. Uh,
2: no, and. There's there's like a lot of, there's a lot of questions of like when do you pull him or we're not we're not there yet. <laughs> there's I don't even think we're at a stage yet where you want to really think about benching him. I would say is he done? No, but I think that you know the mental processing has to be watched now for the next two to three games. One game does not make a career, but after five, if you have the same issues that aren't improving in this offense, you know maybe is it even thought of then? You know. Uh, they're not going to make a change unless the situation gets very dire. It's nowhere near there. But beyond that, that that's focusing on the on the bad, harnessing the good. The guy can still place the ball. The guy can still make athletic plays uh, for sure. I think that overall his consistency has to be better. But you know, when given proper time, and I think when with the right level of of what is, you know, of, of being used to this offense. I absolutely think he can function. I think that everything else has to come back. And I think a lot of these plays that are failing, everyone's looking for one big solution and, you know, they're blaming the quarterback cause he's the leader, but guess what? Like if everyone does their job, I think, I think you're going to see more successful plays and you have a chance for wins. So I don't think he is done. Um And, uh and yeah, I think that there's more to go. And I think that that will say,
1: yeah, I'm with you, Nick before this game, I would have said this is a stupid question, but I was definitely alarmed by some of the, Issues with process and mental processing in this game, and you know, just not making anticipations of throws, not seeing routes get open that could have been big plays. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, and and that's something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on. But as of now, I would say no to that question. Um, Kyle Back often asks, Will they try to get OBJ more involved in week three? In week one, it was great to see he was moved around a lot, but I don't think they moved around as much in week two. So I'll start real quick there, Nick, and then throw it to you. Uh, Mike Shula, basically the Giants offense coordinator, spoke with reporters today on Thursday, and he basically made it clear they're going to try to get Odell Beckham the ball early and often in this game. And I don't love the idea of saying that uh, before the game. I don't see any reason to say that. Uh, just why not keep that away from the Texans? But it's not a huge deal because the Texans are probably expecting that anyway. Honestly, it's Odell Beckham Jr. But what do you think, Nick, about that question?
2: I haven't specifically looked at the stats, but you know, guys want to see him in the slot. They want to see him all over. I'd say, yeah, and you want him to get the you want him to get the ball early. I gotta say though, I I think that they went overboard a little bit with the distribution to a wider range of targets last game, but right. I do think it's a better way to go for them. Um, just I think they need they want to get all players involved. So does that mean I think we I think someone said it today that he basically had two touches by the third quarter, right? Like that you don't know, you can't be that low, but I would favor that side of more distribution over ten targets in the first quarter and a half, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, I think me and you actually might disagree there for the first time on this podcast in probably <laughs> a while. I I personally think this can be more of a two man game with Barkley and Beckham. Um and I understand the idea, or not. I I don't want to say a two-man game. I don't want to, you know. I understand the idea of getting Ingram involved. And I thought one of the biggest issues in this game was that they did not take advantage of the scene with Evan Ingram. And that's something they need to start doing in general. When these teams play like play them like Dallas played them, just just give him opportunities. Because there were opportunities over the middle, of the, the the intermediate middle of the field. So I you know I don't want to say make it a complete two-man game, but. I'm fine getting scheming ways to get Oda Beckham doing the ball, I guess is what I would say to that question. And I, and I think they will, and I think they've made that pretty clear. Um, let's move on here. Uh, Giants Dreamer asks, do you think with the talent on this roster, the Giants can win more than a handful? So I guess that we'll, we'll we'll call that five. Can the Giants win more than five games this year?
2: <laughs> I think yes. But you got to have all kind of what I said before, you got to have all parts start executing on the same page on a play by play basis to win those battles. Um, So I definitely think that I think it's a tough division. I think it's a tough I think it's a really tough division to go north of eight of eight for the team, eight and eight for the way the team is right now. But I think it's total. I think they can win more than a handful.
1: Yeah, I am gonna do it here. I think that I like what I've seen from the defense so far. And we didn't even get a chance to get to that. So I actually wanna wanna probably you know what? Let's do that real quick, Nick. I'll just give you a quick, 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 quick breakdown <laughs> of what I saw from the defense and you can do it to me. Eli Apple to me, he jumped out on tape. I thought he was excellent in coverage and one of the biggest misplays and we're gonna get we're gonna get to your question in a second, Giant Streamer. I'll circle it back. Don't worry, um, before throwing it back to Nick, but to me, Eli Apple, because we, I just didn't feel like we touched enough on the defense as well, so we'll do it real quick. To me, like I said, Eli Apple jumped out. There was a huge play in this game that could have changed the game in the second quarter when the Giants were down seven points where Connor Barwin jumped to try to make that interception and it kind of like batted around in his hands and it dropped. If Barwin's not there in that lane, guys, or, or if the ball somehow gets through him, that's seven points for the Giants. When you watch the All-22, Eli Apple – is essentially running the interception back for a touchdown if the ball gets if, in my eyes. And he is so far ahead of this route. If that ball gets gets to its spot, Eli Apple is pick-sixing this ball, and it's a game-changing play. Um, Alec Ogletree, I don't understand the hate on Giants' Twitter from people. I guess they're just not watching the All-22. They're not watching it. He was all over the field. He made three plays in the run game, great plays in the screen-casting game. He made a play on a reverse early in the game game with Tavon Austin, where this was probably going to be a touchdown with Austin. Ogletree committed to the was started on the left side of of the formation and, or the Giants' left, the Cowboys' right, and basically moved forward to stop the run there, uh, where the where the ball was moving. Then it was reversed. He somehow reversed across the field and ran down Tavon Austin. He jumped out to me, Damon Harris, Dalvin Tomlinson. I thought they won a lot of battles. Like I said earlier, Lorenzo Carter's speed to me was at another level. Um, and then just on the negative side, we talked about B.W. Webb, uh, for me as well, Curtis Riley, I didn't like, not only the angle he took on that early touchdown, I thought he took some bad angles in the run game. And there was a play late in the game where Dak Prescott missed a wide open safety in the end zone, or, or tight end in the end zone. And he was the lone safety on that play, and he And it. And I thought it was his bad reaction time that kind of blew that coverage. Um, Nick, just quickly, uh, and And so, like I'm saying, I like what I've seen from the defense. I think this offense really has a better chance than people give it to to patch things together. Um again, it's two games, guys. People are making such a hard overreaction to two games in the NFL. We've seen over and over things change so drastically we, we. Give this team a little bit of time, but Nick, real quick before we jump into the next question, I did want to get your kind of just brief, quick takeaways, main points on the defense from the tape
2: yeah totally totally concur with really really you hit you hit a lot of the nails on the head it's a lot better than people would expect on tape the one the biggest thing that jumped at me on tape and i had to write about it was uh, i like what betcher a lot of the play calling that betcher had it was aggressive and he put his best players in positions to succeed at key points of the game and they just didn't and then talking about janoris jenkins and it's not just on the go route uh, he had a coverage a specific coverage that was called on a key third and eight where Jenkins just couldn't make the play. And it was a play where afterwards they showed his face on TV and the commentators were talking about how Prescott was making some line call you know, before the snap and Collinsworth completely misses that. Like this really should have kind of been a pick six or a de- or a deheading of Cole Beasley on the right. play. And it wasn't. And so you saw stuff like that. You saw stuff like the blown assignment one for Tomlinson Well, I think it was Tomlinson on that one, one of the big runs for Zeke at near the end of the game. You, they're, they're very, very close. And so I'm, I take that honestly as bullish because it's like, if you fix the mistakes, You've got kind of a lot of the pieces there. You know, is it perfect? No. Is there a lot of holes? Sure, but there's holes in every defense and I like the attitude there. I definitely like the attitude there for sure.
1: Yeah, and I and guy the way by the way guys, I promise on the next one we won't do the takeaways from the defense this week. <laughs> so, just kind of missed it on this one. But um Evan D. asks, Does the Giants offensive line have any chance of being adequate this week against Houston? Oh boy, you want it or I want it. <laughs> I will. I uh, will jump.
2: Uh, definitely, definitely has a chance. Um, I think that Watt's going to be a problem. Um, I think that you know if Clowney's back on the if Clowney goes on the other side, if Clowney goes on the same side, it's going to be a problem. Uh, I think that it's going to have to be a good measure for all for play caller and quarterback to really help them out when they can. But I think that all as well, although the Giants had some, you know, to take Jeff Schwartz's words, atrocious plays in terms of some breakdowns they also had a lot of good plays and i think they see they need to tweak those numbers and get that better so i definitely think it's there in terms of being adequate uh, in terms of really being dominant no no not against Watt. not i mean i don't think anyone really can honestly on this roster or on really even the NFC East roster uh, any team on the NFC East so i just think it's it's going to be a tough game and they're going to have to get through that
1: yeah i think there were enough mental errors that they can that can be cleaned up that they do have a chance of being adequate i think i would pretty much say that's spot on how i see it um Rob asks, uh, at this point, what can realistically be done about the offensive line? And do you think it's a question of skill level or simply practicing to have a more cohesive union as an offensive line? Or do players need to be cut and who do we need to place them with? So I'll jump in first and you can add on here. Um, I don't think there's anything to be done about the offensive line. I've made this point over and over and I'll make it again there's offensive linemen don't grow on the tree don't grow on trees guys this is the shallowest position in my opinion in the entire nfl including quarterback there's none on the waiver wire worth having um teams are struggling to find a third swing tackle as the giants are a prime example of that so this is a situation where there's there's not enough hitting in practice during the training camp there's not enough practices in general so it's just a matter of i think they're going to get better as they play more snaps Real live game snaps together, and you know, is, should anybody be cut? I say no. Who do you replace them with? I say you tell me. I can't. I have no idea. Um, I don't think there's anyone on the waiver wire worth worth picking up. So and so maybe you know they try to work in Brian Mahalik, the guy they signed off the, I believe off the the Steelers practice squad. Um, you know the former defensive end from Boston College who converted to offensive tackle. Maybe at some point he's ready. I don't know. I don't, I personally don't think so. Maybe Chad Wheeler is ready at some point in the giant size, but you know, I think it's just a matter of them playing more together. Do you see it any differently?
2: No, I think that, you know, the Spencer pulley pickup was good in terms of depth and backup and he's definitely something that could probably, he can, you know, he definitely play center. Um, He definitely play guard uh, on the tackle side of this of the house. I mean, I I really think that Wheeler is worse than flowers. I know people are going to snap out and lose it and all that stuff over that, but look, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't do. I think that Flowers is on the roster next year. At this point in time, no. But guess what? Like that's like the, again, the, the the Giants, like many teams in the NFL, find, have to find ways to win with win with what they got. It's just it is what it is, and they and they 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 made their bed when. And i don't want to get into that in terms of what their, what their draft situation was like and what the choices they made there so you know i think they knew this and they knew it wasn't going to happen in a year and and so when when you talk about slashing people it, it'd be great if they had you know 99 guys on the roster and you could go down the line you know and there's a lot of people but there's not and so i think that they just got to tr- kind of grit through
1: this and 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 see if they can do it Agreed. This is a question to me that is better for the off season. Um, right. He asks, and I'll and I'll let you tackle this one because um, you did much more uh, much more work than me on this one. Um, how do you compare Pat Shermer's scheme with the Vikings in twenty seventeen compared to what you've seen so far from the Giants in twenty eighteen in terms of creative play, creativity, play design, utilizing the players' strengths? It's
2: a great question. Um, it is have to come back and say a couple things. Number one, to start off a little bit more isolation routes this past game than you would see, um, and I would say more so than than you did for most of the season in Minnesota. So a little bit of a tweak there, to try, in my opinion, to try to tweak to what Manning's good at. Um, and in terms of creativity, it's very interesting. Um, I don't think Pat Shermer is a very creative play designer. I think that he i think that the creativity side is going to come from shula in this offense i think you absolutely have seen that with more of the spread shotgun looks that that you've seen the giants employ a lot of um, a lot of 11 personnel sets that they've been using you know from the just the backside uh you know tags that they have that aren't really rpos but they're kind of looks that 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 you know the backside is doing something that's definitely shula's influence so i would say it's about the same in terms of creativity where Pat Shermer is very good traditionally is in his actual play calling where in terms of opening scripts to attacking different parts of the defense to setting up the game for his quarterback to really excel as well as to not like a massive adjustment at halftime guy. I don't have the numbers there for like, you know, his DVOA at halftime for the second half, all that stuff. But just from tape, I would say, no, you know, that's not really his thing. It's more, it's more knowing how to orchestrate a drive when you need it. And I think those are the, that's the strength of, almost everyone in the Andy Reid coaching tree. And we know that Shermer has a few trees that he's attached to, but he definitely takes that part of it where he can orchestrate a drive when you need it. I think you saw it in the third quarter. I think you need to see more of it. Um, but uh, so overall, I would say the creativity is about the same. I'd say the play design is, is kind of is, is only different because of the spread elements that Shul is bringing. Uh, utilizing the player strengths, Dan, and I we kind of, we really hit it on the red zone side. I'm not seeing it there yet. Not really seeing it there yet, specifically on third down. Uh, but I think overall the it's 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 gonna get better. And I think he I honestly think he's still getting used to what what his quarterback can do. What is quarterbacks comfortable comfortable doing when things get tough, when you know when when what players can get open? Uh, you know and and that type of thing. So I think it's gonna improve. And certainly, you know, if you look, he's people forget he actually started play calling for Minnesota. That was what the sixteenth season after North Turner got fired. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't like he was, you know, they weren't kicking it immediately when he, right. when, he when he took over. So it just, I would give him some time here. And again, this is what's so crazy is it's their own too, and it feels like you know, it's almost like he's on the hot seat. <laughs> like at least that's what, the, the way I'm reading a lot of the, the Giants' Twitter. Uh, and, you know, that's my interpretation. So anyway, I would I would leave it at that interpretation. Minute. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Twitter is out of their minds right now. It's it it really feels like he's in the hot seat. I feel like I'm defending him. (laughs) You know, it's like there's two You're talking about eight days. In eight days, he's all of a sudden like like kind of you know on the outs. Um, So I I would kind of I would classify it that way. And I think that it'll get better.
1: Yeah, and I mean, guys, I'm bringing it back to this. The Giants moved the ball for 324 yards against the Jaguars' defense, and we're two Evan Ingram drops away from another huge gains in the passing game. And Eric, want to throw more out? Eric Flowers, the hold that. Negated a 34 yard completion to Ingram, the drop by Shepard late in the game. I mean, they were driving to tie to win that game, and that's against a Jaguars team that blew out the Patriots the next week. So, let's not go overreact. Things change week to week so much in the NFL. Um, but let's move on. Big Blue Teeth asks, What percentage of time are we in 12 or jumbo personnel? And do you think we'll see an increase in that number now? So, the Giants are only in jumbo three snaps week one i don't have the the numbers on week two i don't remember seeing it as much and the 12 personnel jump from week one to week two um i'll say that i think we're going to see an increase in that but it's also so dependent on the game script that i don't know if you can say you know have a definitive answer for every week the uh, the other thing and this is this is a great question and people don't
2: people get over way overreact on this but um if you if you go to Twitter and you say jumbo or to football guys that that is twenty three personnel that's how the old school guys think it. it and from a slang perspective almost it means one three you know a heavy personnel set like with with three tight ends to, tight ends to one side you know that's just a technicality so if we're talking about like jumbo being twenty three the Giants aren't going to feature that as much jumbo being one three um you know i think like Jane, like dan said not a lot i think you'll see a little more of it and i do think when they pass from that set they're going to have i like i like it when they pass from the set they actually had a cool rpo design in the jacksonville game off of that uh, with double slants out of shotgun out of one three personnel so i just i think you'll see a little bit of an uptick i think overall there should be a little bit more distribution but there hasn't in terms of the uh, the personnel sets but there has not been as of yet
1: Okay. I, I think I would agree with that, and, and that was a good good answer. I didn't have as much on. So we'll move on to uh, Subwoofer asks – we kind of touched on this. So we'll do this a little quicker. What are the options on the O-line? Greco's in. If another guy gets hurt, who's up? Who's out? Just depends. If a tackle gets hurt, they might look elsewhere. I don't know what they'll do, or they might turn to Wheeler. Um, if a guard gets hurt, uh, they'll probably move Greco over to guard. And put in Spencer Pulley at center. Pulley started 16 games for the Chargers last year. Played it hurt. Did not play well. Um, I think that's probably their option. Nick, do you have anything else to add there? I think that's pretty much straightforward. Correct? Yeah. No, that's about right. I think that you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that make that that checks out. And then also, Subwoofer asks: Is Eli having problems adjusting to the new schemes, or is it timing, or is it something else? We did touch a lot on this earlier. Do you have one final take on that, Nick?
2: Not. Not, not really. I think. I think we. I think we've kind of hit that. I've, I yeah. think it, I think it's going to get better, and and honestly, if you know if it's week six and we're still at the same issue, I think you know it's a different conversation. Uh, but for, but for now, right. I think Broke, okay.
1: Yep. All right. Well, that's all the questions we had on today's show. We're going to wrap it up as we as we like to with the, with some more god awful predictions. So far, we haven't been anywhere close to predicting the final score. I'm going to take another spin and go. Giants put up 27 points this week. 27. Yeah, I do think they're going to hit some big plays against the Texans defense. I'm going to say 27-21. Giants. I've now predicted they would win the first two games, which they lost. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm not a jinx. Hopefully, we can turn this thing around. For the fact that nobody wants to follow a crappy team. Uh, Nick, what is your prediction? You feel free to go against the Giants for once. <laughs> not this
2: week. Not this week. Uh, I think they can. I think they can win this game. I think that it's going to be one of those games where you're going to have a lot of periods of dead offense. And then a lot of periods of you know like big plays out of nowhere on both sides of the ball. Uh, just both teams have a lot of playmakers. You know, look at the position groups for both these teams. Outside of like the tight end position for the the Texans, and I'm not knocking that group, but just you know they don't have a lot of household names. The, these guys are you know there's a lot of there's a lot of chance for scoring here. I think it's going to be like a weirdly like 24-23 really tight game.
1: Yeah. And guys, just so, just so you guys all know about this, the Texans, by the way, are not looking, the Texans don't have that much talent in the secondary right now. So let's keep that in mind. This is probably easily the easiest matchup the Giants have had just from a personnel standpoint, their are offense against the defense. Now that obviously the Texans, if they get Clowney back with Clowney and Watt, that's not easy, but you know, that second and third level for the Texans is not nearly what it was for the Jaguars and for the Dallas Cowboys. But um, so hopefully we can see some things turn around, but on that note, We're going to sign off. Uh, Good luck to the Giants this week, uh, and we'll see you guys soon.